Hey y'all, it's your girl Ready Rail. You're listening to Keeping It Real with Ready Rail. This is episode four. I know we're a couple of weeks behind and I will explain in this episode why. Um, but I'm back, y'all. I'm back and and I won't say I'm better, but I'm back. And I'll go into detail here in episode four. If you are listening, please feel free to follow me on Instagram at so underscore STL on Instagram. Once again, that's so underscore STL. Um, also, uh, you can listen to me on Spotify and Anchor if you're not already. We're still waiting on that Apple podcast, but I want to thank you, the listeners, for being patient with me as there's been a delay in the release of the episodes. And uh, and uh, we're trying to get back on track here, and I'm trying to get back on track for you guys um, because we want to keep up with our consistency, like we said. But please continue to listen to this episode. I think that maybe you guys may be able to relate, and maybe I can uh, let you in on keeping it real or really real. What's up, y'all? Again, this is Ready Real. We're at the start of episode four. It's been a, it's been about two weeks, y'all, and I do want to apologize to everyone for the delay. Um, you know, I, I was really on my consistency. I was every week dropping these episodes, but I'm no good to y'all if I'm no good to myself. And so, um, you know, we're going to get into why I missed these last couple of weeks and, and how I'm going to work to try to continue on and push forward um, and continue to give y'all more content and more episodes and, and continue on our, you know, on our journey. And if you haven't already, this is your first time listening. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks so much for sharing this podcast. If you have, um, you know, last episode, we discussed things with Boosie and uh, the whole gay agenda. And I think it was a great conversation and feel free to go back and listen to those other episodes where we speak about depression and also the resources to get through depression to help us do that. Um, and I'm hoping that that's helpful for to helpful to you guys and also other people as well as you share that. Um, you know, I wasn't sure when I was going to be able to do an episode and I randomly just decided to do one right now. Like I said, it's been about two weeks since I released that episode. And, uh, you know, I just feel like, you know, every time I do these episodes, I want to make sure that when I record, I'm giving you guys the realest and keeping it completely 100 and because, you know, that's who I am. And this is what the show is about. Um, so bear with me as I kind of take you guys through this episode. I'm not sure how long it's going to be. I'm just going to flow with it um, as I think about things. Um, but, you know, the last two weeks have been rather they've been they've been it's it's been hard. Um you know, uh, I don't sound like I normally sound, and, I, and I, I wish that I could, you know, hype myself up for y'all because I know y'all used to that. But I'm gonna be honest, you know, I'm dealing with grief, and uh, I'm currently mourning. And you know, y'all, I, I definitely, you know, death is something very unexpected, and and that's what kind of happened. I had a family member, my uncle, to be exact, who lived here in Atlanta, Georgia, where I reside, and uh, he had been here over 20, 25 years, um, my uncle Maurice and, uh, I, for the last two years have, have, I've been his caretaker. Um, and, uh, I mean, they say caretaker, caregiver, whatever you want to call it. Um, I've been his, I've been his pit bulls, what he called me y'all. Uh, my uncle is diagnosed with cancer, uh, December, 2019. And, uh, during that time, it was just me and my uncle living here in Atlanta together. We didn't live together, but uh, we were the only family members in Atlanta um, from my mom's side. And, um, you know, I got that call when he was in the hospital and 
he was about to go into some emergency surgery because they found, you know, something in his liver and his kidneys and uh, it ended up being cancer. And they were trying to remove all of whatever piece of that mass and that abscess that had grown. And, it, you know, it was something that's, let me tell y'all something about cancer. It's something that's very, sometimes it can be very random and shocking and even though I had seen cancer take my great uncles, my, my grandmother's brothers, and um, it even took my grandmother a few years back. And uh, even though even though I had, you know, seen it here and there, I never experienced it firsthand. And when I say firsthand, meaning being there when someone is told they have cancer, you know, uh, watching them go through it and you know, y'all, like I said, bear with me. I watched how rapid it moved, put it that way. I had never seen it up close and personal um, in regards to just being there for somebody who was dealing with it and fighting it. And so uh, over the last two weeks on Labor Day, to be exact, my uncle from Atlanta. Well, he's from St. Louis, but he lives in Atlanta. He he went home to St. Louis uh, Thursday, the week the week before Labor Day, and he went home to be with his other siblings and his you know sisters and brothers for the holiday weekend. And my uncle had been trying to get home since Memorial Day. Um, you know, he had he had to continue to cancel for each holiday, Memorial Day and Fourth of July. But I think Labor Day, he was just determined to get there. And now I know why. Um, my uncle passed at my in my aunt's house, um, and it's such a touching story. Even though I'm, you hear me crying. I'm, I'm crying because it's hard. This is my first day back in Atlanta, and I'm about to prepare to go to his house again uh, to begin the the things that have to be done after someone leaves us. And uh, this is something that I've never done before. So this whole thing I've, I've never done before, this, these last two years of being there for my uncle and being his driver and being his grocery shopper and being his personal assistant and everything in between and calling him every other day to check on him and to see what he need and to hear his concerns and to hold his secrets and to, you know, just be what he needed to be family. Um, my uncle was a great man. My uncle was a great man and a great man and he was he was a... He was a man of many talents. He served this country for 13 years. He left St. Louis at 18, never looked back, went right into the Army, enlisted, got out, and came straight to Atlanta and created a life for himself as an IT specialist. And um, I mean, he really he really did what he wanted to do in life, and he lived it to the fullest. And he, he was all about gathering people together and having, you know, fun and smiles and you know, partying and drinking and stuff like just having a good time and cooking. My uncle loved to cook and he was one of the best cooks in our family. And uh, he really made a name for himself down here in Atlanta where he created his own family and, and group of friends to uh, be his family while we were in St. Louis. And so I was so happy to know how much um, impact my, my my uncle had on everybody and how much of a, uh, a blessing he was to so many people. And... Um, it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate that, uh, you know, his untimely demise came so soon. And the reason why I said it is because I, I, I was with my uncle while he battled a uh, bacteria infection back in, 
he had been battling for a couple of months, but back in July, it got very severe where we went to a doctor's appointment. And every time we went to a doctor's appointment, we were directed to go to ER. You know, the doctors, they noticed something in him and they noticed something that wasn't right. And they would immediately send us in the ER. And we would spend, I mean, if you know about spending time in the ER, we would spend hours in a waiting room. Hours in the waiting room just to get to the back of the ER, just to wait hours, sometimes 24 hours to get a room um, for him to be settled. And, and God made it available for me to be off of work um, this summer to where I could give him more of my time and freedom. Because when I'm working, it's kind of hard. So I was like coming on the weekends, doing things here and there as he needed. Um, you know, COVID had really put a halt on a lot of things. Um, once COVID had started, before it started, I was with my uncle all the time all the time, making sure he's taken care of, making sure I'm stopped by the house, making sure we're going to doctor's appointments together, you know, was there for chemo when it began. Then once COVID hit, we had, I had to stop coming to chemo with him um, due to him being high risk for COVID and just making sure I can protect him. So we went through this thing where he actually beat cancer last year. There was no signs of cancer, put it that way, but somehow this year it, it, it brought itself back. And, uh, you know, when the doctor told me back in July, this was the type of cancer that would continue to return. And uh, I will never forget what the doctor told me. He said, and he told me the news before he told my uncle. My uncle was like out of his room at the hospital, like going to get some type of uh, procedure done or MRI. It was something of that nature, CT scan. I can't remember. It was so much that he was having to go through and that we were, you know, waiting to see results from and just being in a hospital every day. And, you know, I just would not leave his side. You know, he would tell me to go out, have fun, be with my friends, be with my partner. But I would be like, nah, unk, everybody else is good. This is about you, this is about family, you know. But um, the doctor told me back in July, you know, this type of cancer will keep coming back. And then he said, unfortunately, it's back and, um, you know, at this point, we just got to keep him on his meds and see, you know, play it out from here. And I said to him, you know, what about radiation and chemo again? He said, no, you know, we can't do that anymore. We we're way past that point. We've done it. Um, it wouldn't help at this time. And I'm considering this because maybe my uncle was just too weak. Maybe his body was too weak for that. And, you know, chemo, if you don't anything about chemo, radiation, it takes a toll on people's body where some people reject chemo and radiation from the very beginning where they want any parts of it. And they just want to let, you know, their body and their life run its course. Well, my uncle, he fought and he fought. And um, the doctor told me one thing that I'll never forget. I asked him, well, how much time? He said, well, you know, I don't have a time. You know, sometimes the doctor tell you six months, a year, maybe two years, maybe five years. But this doctor said, I don't have a time. The only thing I can tell you is make sure he lives his best life. And I said, well, should he go back to work? And he said, no, you know, it's up to him. If work makes him happy. So when he told me if work makes him happy, that, that, that actually, it, it kind of dawned on me what he was insinuating. So um, the doctor asked me not to tell my uncle the news until allowing him to tell him. So the next day, you know, I come back to the hospital. My uncle's looking at me. He's like, you got something you want to tell me? And I'm like, I mean, do you got something you want to tell me? And we kind of looked at each other. And, and then he said, well, I guess you know that the cancer is back. I said, yeah, the doctor told me not to tell you. He told me to let him tell you. And so... You know, I, I'm just, I'm just, even though, even though I'm hurt by the loss of my uncle, I'm still proud of him. I'm still proud of him and I'm proud of him because he fought. My uncle never complained. I, I would never lie to any of you all. My uncle never complained. 
chaos, you know, from 2000, from December 2019 to September, beginning of September, that first week before he died, my uncle never complained. He always made it seem like everything was okay and like it was easy, you know. And I knew it was hard. I was watching everything that was going on. And, you know, I come up to the hospital and things wouldn't be right. And I come up in there and that's why he called me his pit bull. Because <laughs> I come up in there and I tell nurses and doctors, okay, somebody needs to change his bed. Okay, what's this medicine? What's this medicine? What is this about? What about this? How do we do this? What does this mean? I asked a lot of questions and I want y'all to understand that I've never done this before. I've never had to take care of anybody ill. So, you know, being that it was me down here and all his siblings were in St. Louis, my mom was here this year. She moved to Atlanta last year, so she was able to help here and there you know, as my uncle wanted, but my uncle was very secretive. And sometimes people are extremely secretive where they don't want anybody to know their business. For a long time, I held a lot of secrets when it came to his cancer because he didn't want to worry my family. And I think that my uncle didn't understand how much it was putting on me to hold it down on my own, to hold that secret, to hold his, you know, to be, you know, to be someone he trusted because that's what he wanted. Um, but then this, this July, he allowed me to open up and tell the rest of the family, you know, hey, the cancer has come back and, and this is where we're at with it. And, and in the moment he allowed everyone else to know, it helped out better because we were at this space where now everybody knows, okay? So now Sherelle's not the only one carrying the burden on her back, but then also I was still the only one here. But I'm grateful that God placed me here. You know, I moved to Atlanta back in 2018 and unbeknownst to me, I would be in this position to to be there for him. And I'm so grateful and I'm so glad and I feel so blessed to have that opportunity to build with him a, a stronger relationship and a stronger bond and to learn things about my family I never heard and to learn things about my grandmother that I never heard and things about my uncle and their lives. And we spend so much time together and, and time is of the essence. And, and I guess I made a realization that, you know, every person in my life that I love, it's important for me to create memories and to hold on to those memories and to cherish them because we never know the day, the time or the hour. And so, um, as I'm going through all of this, you know, the thing that me and my uncle related on the most was our lifestyles. My uncle was a was a gay man. He was very private, but he was a gay man. He was in a relationship and a partnership with someone at the time of his passing. And, um, you know, he had a, a circle, uh, a community of people here in Atlanta, gay and straight, who loved him to death. Um, he had built this this foundation of love and, and, and comfort and home and happiness with his friends here in Atlanta. And he welcomed me in and welcomed me in with them. And he felt comfortable. And he'd always say to me, yeah, I was so happy when you when I found out you were gay because I wasn't the only one. I wasn't the only one. And, and, and you know what? For someone to say that to me in their 60s, right? someone who's been living the life way before me, someone who left St. Louis to freely live their life. And I, I realized that, you know, I kind of followed my uncle's footsteps without even knowing. I left at 18. I went off and I lived my life in Huntsville, Alabama. I came back maybe a year. He never did that, but I came back. Then I left right back out, went to um, 
yeah, LA, you know, and then I came to Atlanta. So I moved around and I, my goal was to never come back as far as living in St. Louis, like getting out of there and, and being exactly who I wanted to be without judgment and things like that. It was important to me. It was important for me to live my life the way I wanted to. And I'm so glad that I had a connection, a relationship with someone who did the same before me, someone who 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 did the groundwork, who laid the footprints and I simply followed them without knowing. And now I realize that's what we connected on. And we talked about so many different things and we were able to be ourselves in, in that relationship. And so I, I'm always feel a special place for my uncle because of what I watched him go through and what I know about him and the things that we shared only him and I shared. And I'm sure everybody had their own intimate moments with him, but it was something deep for me. And so I think a, a lot of people don't understand, I'm not going to say a lot of people, because some may understand. You may be listening like, hey, I went through the same thing with a parent or a sibling or a friend or a lover, whatever it may be, that grief is hard. And I didn't know it was going to be this hard. One, because I wasn't expecting him to die, right? I, I, I know I was there. I know I was watching him go through the emotions of cancer, being sick and throwing up and ill and weak and fatigued and not having an appetite and all these surgeries and tubes and uh, I mean everything he was going through a lot it was a lot to watch but I I never gave up hope for him because he still was smiling he still was present he still was here he was still I mean the last day I talked to my uncle was Saturday before the Monday that he passed so that Saturday so I talked to him several, just a couple of days before he passed. And he was fine. You know, he was excited to come back to Atlanta. He was excited to be in St. Louis to be with his family. But he also was excited to come back to Atlanta. We had a plan to get his weight back because he started losing weight tremendously and drastically. He started losing his weight. And so, you know, he kept telling me, Niece, I just, I, I just hate that I'm losing weight. That's the only thing he ever said was, you know, I'm losing weight, Niece. And I really, really wish I can keep my food down. And I really wish that I could... I had an appetite. I told my uncle, I said, when I come get you Tuesday, it's going to be all good. You're going to be good. This is all going to work out. Don't worry. Y'all, I'm talking to him because I'm not thinking anything else. I'm not I'm not thinking that in a couple of days he's going to be gone. Even when I was with him, watching him go through things, I never thought. I, I just never saw that day coming. And when it came and, and how... You know, I found out, I just, I just really dropped to the floor. I just was weak and I, and, and, and I was shocked. And I'm even today I'm talking to y'all and I'm shocked that I'm having this conversation, but it's a conversation that need to be had. It's something I got to get off my chest because I've been struggling. I've been struggling to cope. I've been struggling to manage my feelings. I've been struggling to manage my emotions and to my mood swings or all over the place. I'm happy. I'm sad. I'm angry. I'm, I'm, I'm struggling to sleep. I'm, str- I'm, I'm struggling to eat. I'm having, or I just, I'm back and forth every day. I just never know. And so I, I just want to kind of just speak about grief and, you know, the struggle with grief, you know, um, grief sometimes come with guilt. You know, I, I feel guilty. I feel guilty or, you know, I was supposed to see my uncle the day before he flew to St. Louis, and I, I missed out on that. And I promised to see him when he got back and pick him up and and, and spend time with him. Um, and more so with grief, you know, with someone you love, you, you struggle with the idea that you never got to say goodbye 
or maybe, you know, in those last days, you never got to say what you really felt. But, you know, I left my uncle voicemail that Saturday and he called me back and we talked. And he sounded so happy. And my aunt told me that uh, when he was there, he said, I'm just so happy. I'm happy to be home. I'm happy to be here. And so when we planned his funeral, because it was something I'd never done before as well, was be a part of planning a funeral and, and, and you know, going to his house after he passed, because I'm here in Atlanta and he was in St. Louis and clean up his home and getting certain things and paperwork started and, and contacting people and letting them know he had passed, people who loved him as well, and hearing them cry and scream and hurt and, and the pain that they were feeling, that I was feeling, and you know, it was just a lot, you know, planning a funeral. That was that was deep for me. That was more than what I had bargained for and more than I thought that I would ever have to do for anyone, especially him. And so it's just the unpreparedness of death. And it's also something I've always feared, not even just for myself, but the ones I love. Um, it's something I've been struggling, for, struggling with for a couple of years now. Um, as it happens so often and as an adult, I'm seeing it much more than I've ever seen it before in my whole life which makes me miss being a kid, you know, because as a kid, I just, I knew it was happening, but like, you know, as a kid, you're a kid. Um, as an adult, as you get older, you start to realize and recognize that this life is not promised. And, and the life that we do have, we have to live it to the fullest because we never know our last day. And so I'm in this position where I'm trying to cope. I'm trying to learn how to heal and I'm trying to move forward. But, you know, after you bury someone doesn't mean that it's all over with, especially for me and my family, knowing there's so much more to be done. You know, his house is here in Atlanta. So, you know, it's my responsibility to get it together and and to, to follow his wishes and requests. Because, you know, even though I was shocked by his death, I still was never prepared, even though he attempted to prepare me. <laughs> you know, when I say attempted to prepare me, he told me certain things that he wanted when he passed. He told me what to do with this and what to do with that. And, uh, important things that needed to be addressed and handled that he knew would need to be. It was a conversation he wanted to have frequently as if he knew something that I didn't know. You know, I just never, I just would tell him all the time. We don't have to talk about that. Aunt. That's not something we have to talk about. You're not going to, it's not going to happen today. It's not going to happen tomorrow, but it was something very important to talk about. And I guess I wish I would have talked to him more about it. Um, but as I, as I speak about this grief, I, I'm, I'm really, I really am trying to, you know, get through it. And I'm trying not to hurt those that I love around me because of anger that I may, you know, re, you know, I may feel from this and, and I don't want anyone to ever take it personal. Um, but now that I'm back in Atlanta, I, I want to, you know, be better and, and try my best to move forward. And, and because that's what he would want me to do. You know, he lived a good life. I just didn't expect it to be, you know, so soon It's death that is. Um, so, so as I deal with grief, I, I also deal with frustration um, from just lack of, like, just not being misunderstood, maybe, you know. I think that a lot of people assume that, you know, hey, she was just visiting her uncle. It wasn't a big deal. Like, she's all right. Like, you know, no, it wasn't that type of situation for me. I was, I literally, I had to help my uncle with a lot of things that, you know, a lot of people would be embarrassed about my uncle used to apologize to me if I had to help him, you know, clean up himself or 
use the bathroom or help him change his clothes. And I always tell him, oh, don't apologize. I'm not, you don't be embarrassed. I'm not embarrassed. I'm going to help you every step of the way, no matter what. And I would do it for anybody in my family that needed me, that, that became, became unable or incapable of taking care of themselves. I would do it in a heartbeat because there's no greater love than to be there for somebody who needs you most, especially when they feel like they don't have anybody else. So I'm, I'm grateful that I was there for him and, and he was there for me in many ways. And we built this relationship even stronger, you know, over these last two years. And it went by swiftly. I mean, the moment we found out, I mean, I just can't believe that two years later, here we are. And this is it. And this was the outcome, you know, and, and that things can happen so fast. But I want to I want to share with you guys. It's important to tell people that you love you love them. It's important to forgive and, and to move forward. It's important to realize that life is not promised and that it's precious and that every moment you need to you know to 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 to, to enjoy and to embrace and, and and be thankful and grateful for and to not ponder on the little things that you can't change but to you know just live your life to the fullest live your life to the fullest as I speak about grief I know that it's going to take me a minute to recover. I can feel it. I know it. And I could change my mindset to say, hey, I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to sit and, and sorrow and dwell in this. But to be honest, y'all, you know, as I was battling depression and still am, I, I, that was something that really really took a toll on me. And even with that, as we uh, were playing my uncle's funeral, my aunt, she's one of the oldest as well. My uncle was the oldest of, uh, they're the both, two, both of them were the oldest. Uh, my aunt, she had a mild stroke as we played my uncle's funeral, and she was like, had the stroke for like three days and waited to go to the hospital because she was waiting to uh, be a part of the uh the funeral and to see my uncle one last time she didn't make it to that she's in the hospital been in the hospital since the day before his funeral trying to recover um her whole left side is paralyzed and so my family is going through a lot then I have another uncle on my father's side who is battling brain cancer right now and so I'm realizing that you know it's important for us as human beings, adults, you know, especially black people, to take care of ourselves. It's important for us to watch what we put in our body. It's important for us to take care of our bodies. It's important for us to go to the doctor when we feel something, right? Because a lot of times what I notice that a lot of us, we ain't trying to get that bill. You know what I'm saying? Even though healthcare is there, we paying for it, our check or whatever, whatever it may be, Medicaid, whatever, we ain't trying to pay that bill. And that's the thing that a lot of us are scared of is that bill. You know, you go to a doctor, your bill's $1,500 to $1,000, $500, and they, all they did was give you some ibuprofen. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Or they didn't, you, but any inkling or feeling or sign of uncertainty with your body, you need to go to the doctor. You need not to wait. And, you know, my uncle, he waited until friends pushed him to the doctor. You know, after a month of seeing him, you know, not looking like himself and dropping weight and 
you know, my aunt, she waited, <laughs> you know, and, and my other aunt said she, she, she'll wait to the better end. And my friends say they'll wait. And I even sometimes say, I'll wait. I ain't going to the doctor. I don't want the bill. But our waiting will determine our life and how much we care about our lives and how much we care about our loved ones and the life God has given us. It's important for us to take care of ourselves. And so it's even hard for me to eat right, to do right, to not drink. But those habits are some habits I'm going to have to learn how to drop. And that's my biggest thing this year. My goal is to go ahead. And and, and, and now that I've lost my uncle and I've seen, you know, maybe the things he used to eat and the things he used to drink. And not saying that contributed to his loss, but it could have contributed to his health. You know, we never know with cancer. It could be, you know, uh, uh, uh genetics or hereditary or you know it could be something that we did or grew up on or how we eat or what we put into our bodies or you know what we're around it's so many elements to that disease that that takes our families by storm that we got to do better for ourselves and so I want to be sure that I come back and I, I once I get focused and I'm and I try to you know grieve and 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 and, and get stronger every day that I start working out and I start eating better and I start taking care of my body. And and my mom said something at the funeral that made a lot of sense because my mom officiated the funeral. She's an amazing woman of God. And I, I don't see anyone who could have done him any justice or any better that day of his life, a celebra- celebration of life. But she said, you can leave this place sick, healthy, young, old, doesn't matter. Your day can come any day. And so with that being said, I'm not saying that being healthy is going to keep you here longer, but we can prevent from going through things like this and dealing with things that will cause harm to our body and put us in even deeper situations. You know, I had to take a big look at my family and I told them after the funeral, we had a repast that it's time for us to do better, y'all. The stuff we eat, the stuff we drink, everybody in our family has diabetes and asthma and high blood pressure and you know, everybody's checking the sugar and it's just time. It's time. And my black people, it's time we do better. You know, we can't continue to live our life, our fried chicken and fried rice and pizza and, you know, all the things that aren't really good for us. High salt. You know, I love salt, y'all. I add salt when salt ain't even needed. And I know that's a big problem. Well, what I know as a 33-year-old woman is that I don't want to be 50, 55, even 40, 60 battling something that I could have controlled or or handled in the very beginning or never had in the beginning, you know what I'm saying? Or changed my ways and my lifestyle. You know, I was in St. Louis and I noticed that on every corner there was a DaVita and a DaVita is a dialysis center. On every corner there's a dialysis center. That's not right. It's like on every corner like a goddamn gas station or a liquor store. Even a liquor store, we don't want to see that everywhere. But a dialysis center means a lot. It says a lot about what's happening in our community and what's happening with our people. And I only want us to get better. So if you know someone or you have loved ones out there who aren't living the right lifestyle or they're just kind of putting whatever in their body, what I don't want you to do is to nag them about it. But what you can do is say, I care about you and I care about your health. And I want to make sure you know, you know, the you know, maybe the consequences or, you know, the the non-beneficiary things about eating these type of things or drinking too much or things like that. I want to see you live a long life. And even if you don't want to be here that long, I still want to see you live a healthy life without having to deal with these things. So 
That's just kind of like what I had to say for today. I'm pretty sure I'll follow up with a follow-up episode soon. I just wanted to check in with y'all and kind of just put that out there that I, you know, I am struggling. and I, I just want to do a quick check-in because I don't want to go weeks and weeks of being, you know, non-consistent with this or inconsistent, excuse me, inconsistent with this, um, not not uploading and giving you guys something. Um, I just am struggling. I'm struggling right now and I'm hoping that God brings peace to my family and to me and to the others out there who may have lost someone or struggling with an ill family member or a friend or just trying to cope with things that 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 are hard. And I mean, death and the loss of someone you love is hard. And I just never knew it would be this hard. I never knew. I never knew it would be this soon. I never knew it would be under these circumstances. I, I just never knew it would be like this. So I'm, I'm trying my best, y'all, to be authentic with y'all and to be real with y'all. And I hope that y'all understand and continue to be patient with me as I continue to move forward in this process. And, and you know, I just ask God for complete healing of everybody that's going through something right now, including myself and my family. So, you know, do what y'all can. Sign up for some workout classes. Check in on your loved ones on a daily basis, regular basis, no matter what. Show them that you love them every day because we just never know. Um, Take care of yourselves. Take care of the people you love. And uh, offer understanding to anyone that's going through a loss. Bear with that person. This ain't hard. I ain't been the nicest person to some of the people I love over these last week or two weeks, and I'm very apologetic. Um, I just don't know if I'm one minute I want to smile, one minute I want to cry, one minute I want to scream, one minute I want to sleep, one minute I I can't sleep, one minute I want to eat, one minute I don't. It's a lot of emotions that I I wasn't prepared for, but this ain't the end all be all, and, and God makes no mistakes. And so um, the one thing I can say, I'm grateful that my uncle is not it's not hurting anymore, even though he never complained of pain, but I know he had to be dealing with something. I'm glad he's not suffering anymore. And and I know he knows that he was loved dearly and greatly by many, especially me. And I want to thank everybody that's reached out to me with condolences and prayers and uplifting me during this time in my family. I definitely appreciate it. Every message I've gotten has really touched my heart, no matter what, no matter if I respond late or... I'm, I'm withdrawn from my phone or whatever it may be. I'm, I'm I'm definitely a work in progress, and I'm definitely trying this one day at a time to, to get better. So, you know, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I believe my uncle is very present with the Lord at the right hand of God, and I'm grateful for his life, and, and I'm grateful for all you as my listeners, and I hope that I can come back next week with uh, a little bit more upbeat in my voice or something better than this. <laughs> so thanks y'all for listening. I appreciate it. Make sure y'all continue to follow me on Instagram at so underscore STL. Continue to um, follow this podcast on uh, whatever platform you're listening from. Spotify is number the number one I think everybody uses in Anchor. Um, and I'm going to keep y'all up to date. I appreciate y'all. Y'all continue to be blessed and continue to keep it real.